My guest today is the wonderful Dr. Sarah Shevitz. She is a licensed psychologist specializing in surprise, surprise, love, and relationships. And she's the founder of the successful online psychology practice, Couples Learn. She's been working in the couples and relationship and individuals to improve their love lives for over 15 years, and she has advanced training in the areas of attachment, conflict management, communication, rebuilding trust after infidelity, and even treating attachment trauma. She's been featured on Forbes, CNN, Bravo TV, Washington Post, Women's Health, uh, Bravo TV. I mean, just a lot of places. You've probably already heard of her if you're in the space. She's absolutely a dream to work with, a dream to talk to. And I know that it was a hugely educational episode for me, and I'm sure it will be for you too. You're listening to the Relationship Revival Podcast with John DeBach, also known as Mr. Spirituality. That's me. I'm your host giving you insights and guidance from over 10 years in the field of this amazing journey we call romance. On this show, I go over everything you need to know about how to get into a relationship, how to get the most out of a relationship, and sometimes even how to gracefully end a relationship without pulling your hair out and going crazy. And occasionally, I'm even joined by new and old friends who are also relationship experts to bring you guidance and wisdom with new perspectives. Thanks for stopping by. Well, let's let's dive right in. I'm really excited to talk. Um, first of all, how long have you been doing this? I've been working with couples since 2008, so a little over 15 years now. Yeah, that's a that's a nice stretch. And mm-hmm. couples, I want to just kind of jump into the lion's mouth right off the start. Why is it so hard? Because you have a group practice that you're growing and constantly looking for really good qualified people to work with you in your practice. Yeah. And I found this too when I and when I'm I'm reaching out to therapists across the whole world, not just America. And I find that people who really, truly specialize in couples mm-hmm. are hard to find. They are. Why do you think it's so hard to find someone who specializes in this line of counseling? Oh, well, there's, I think there's a lot of reasons. One, it takes a lot of mental energy and fortitude to be a couples therapist because you're managing a lot more energy in the room and you're managing two different personalities and than the whole dynamic of the relationship. So it can be pretty draining and exhausting for a lot of people. Um, I think the one, those of us that specialize in it kind of like the extra energy and excitement that comes with it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Might've grown up in homes that, yeah. where we had to manage a lot of <laughs> relationship conflict anyway. And so we got good at it. Um, but as far as, and then, you know, there's a whole business reason why as well, because Couples therapy tends to be a little bit shorter term than individual therapy. So it's honestly not a great business model when you're trying to retain clients. How long? That's a good point. I mean, Mm -hmm. how long would you say your typical length of working with a couple lasts? Like 10 to 20 sessions. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I find too, 10 to 20. Mm -hmm. And and it's fun because my wife is a therapist specializes in perinatal and in anxiety and she says you know six months is where she starts seeing like real transformation for a lot of her clients mm-hmm. and i'm thinking to myself i don't know any couple i've seen for six months i mean they might come back but mm-hmm. like that's not a regular trajectory sometimes do you ever have it where they break off and someone will stick with you on an individual level after couples Yeah, I do. And I sometimes have couples request that, but if it seems like they're going to get back together, which so often does happen, then we kind of talk about whether they want to keep that space for the couple or, you know, kind of 
sometimes working with them individually can make it a challenge to go back to working together as a couple later. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. What do you, do you have any crazy stories in terms of how you've treated couples, especially with the virtual space? Um, any kind of unusual kind of fun stories that you'd want to share? Um, I get quite a few long distance couples, sometimes in different countries. Um, yeah. Some folks who have met online and have had most of their relationship online. So that's kind of interesting. I'd say that's rare, but it has happened. Um, I don't think so I, I have I have one for you. So okay, I have great. A new <laughs> I have a new client. I'm going to pick your brain because it's, you know, one expert that I'm that I have in the chair. So I'm going to take advantage of it. Yeah, <laughs> let's do it. Um, so I have a I have a client where they met online, but he's been incarcerated. I had that too. Now that you mentioned that. Yes. Uh-huh. And so they've only met once when they mm-hmm. got married during visitation. And I'm doing these sessions virtually with one person on camera and one person just audio I'm treating it a lot like a long distance relationship but there are other challenges because obviously there's different freedoms that they just don't have when someone's just you know off at work is there a different approach that you would have for something like this you know I didn't even um, move forward with it because having worked in the prison system as a therapist I know how hard it can be for them to access the phones at a certain time Mm -hmm. or to have any amount of privacy is pretty much non-existent and it can be so loud in the background. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think that, gosh, that is such a challenging situation. It was incredibly rewarding for me. I mean, because I saw how much both of them were willing to learn, but yeah, it it definitely is challenging. I'm not gonna pretend that it wasn't. Yeah, so I think you would have to have flexibility, really. That's my main recommendation is be flexible in terms of like cancellation and you know, what that looks like, but. Um, well, you just dropped a bomb that you worked in the prison mm-hmm. world. Tell me about that. That's I, That wasn't something I knew before <laughs> 10 seconds ago. When so. I was starting my practice, I worked part-time in an ICE facility, immigration detention facility in California. And um, while it's not technically a prison, it basically is. Um, wow. And we, there were low-level, low-risk um detainees who were seeking asylum and delayed with paperwork, et cetera. So they were kind of in blue uniforms and we had orange uniforms and red uniforms and the red uniforms were ex-cons that had been picked up pretty much straight from prison and were brought to the facility for deportation. Uh, and they were, you know, a lot of gang members and, um, and, dangerous criminals so it was definitely not a prison but like working in a prison yeah yeah it probably i mean i think if you have that as your background maybe couples therapy isn't as scary (laughs) (laughs) wow yeah wow so let's talk about your approach to couples therapy i know you're swamped and usually overbooked so Mm -hmm. but but i'd love to hear um you know, for people who can hear it from an expert who is at the top of her game, what it's, you know, what is it that you're, that you come into a session with in terms of goals for the couple? Do you meet them where they're, where they are, or do you kind of invite them to come where you are? Mm -hmm. And uh, are there different modalities that you lean on, or do you kind of pick and choose depending on the couple? Um, I do have modalities that I lean on. And I offer a free 30 minute consultation to couples and I kind of tell them about that and they can self-select whether it fits for them or not. 
Um, I usually start with an assessment called the Gottman Relationship Checkup that does this Mm -hmm. full x-ray of their relationship. It's a research-based assessment that looks at all different areas of their relationship from like how they feel about their sex lives and communication and conflict and how well they can meet each other's needs and all kinds of good stuff. Yeah, I talk um, about Gottman a lot on the podcast. Too. I'm a big, big advocate. I mean, they're great, and they're just yeah. such a cute couple too. They are. They really <laughs> are. John and Julie Gottman. Yeah. <laughs> so I start with their assessment, and then I move into Imago therapy after the whole assessment process. And that was created by another adorable couple, actually, um, Harville Hendricks and Helen LaKelly Hunt. Mm-hmm. And it's a really structured way of working with couples where they are facing each other and talking to each other in session for the bulk of the session. But I'm kind of mm-hmm. helping guide the communication between them by giving them prompts. Um, so if they're processing a fight, I might be giving the sender. One person's talking at a time, so I might be giving the sender prompts like what hurt me about that was and what scared me about it and what it reminded me of from my past. and how I responded and how that response might have contributed to our disconnect. So I'm kind of walking them down this ladder of vulnerability. Mm-hmm. And the other person is just listening and repeating back what they're hearing. They're not interjecting. They're not sharing their opinion. They're not arguing. And then we switch and do the same, um, but in reverse with the other person being the sender. And so that really helps with couples who have trouble communicating to slow everything down and to help them validate and empathize with each other. Oh, I did miss, miss those steps. The listener also validates and empathizes with my direction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that um, makes sense. Yeah, so that's the modality I use, and others on my team use different modalities, so we kind of have the whole gamut covered gamut. as far as modalities. When you say facing each other, for people who haven't seen it, they're mm-hmm. literally, their chairs are what, maybe a foot apart, mm-hmm. and they're physically facing each other, right? Mm-hmm. That's the Imago method. Yeah, they're and, knee to knee, basically. And you're just sitting kind of between the two, but a little further off and kind of prompting them. Well, right? in my case, I'm online. So the computer is sitting there. <laughs> so that was my question is how, how does it work online? Mm-hmm. You know, do, do you just have them use one camera and you watch from, you know, your, your office? Yeah, so they're using usually their laptop because that's easier with couples to fit everyone on the screen. And they Mm -hmm. put it on a table and get two chairs and I can see them great. They can hear me great. And they're so focused on each other in session. I should be kind of a background presence anyway. So the online thing works really well with Imago. Yeah. We had Mary Kay Cachero on here. She's yeah. in, uh, do you know Mary? I do. I know her well. Oh, okay. Yeah, she, <laughs> she, yeah, she, she talked about ECCT and Imago is really kind of fascinating. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to look into it more myself because it's one, it's definitely one modality. I've never really explored that much. Mm. Um, but Helen I, I mean, and Harville's book, Getting the Love You Want is really I've incredible. read that for sure. Okay. Yeah. Then you've yeah, explored yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. I just not as a, pre- just not as someone, you know, bringing it into a session or yeah. anything. Yeah. Very cool. What what made you? What drew you to it? It just makes so much sense to me. Um, the whole premise behind it is that we attract in somebody who's going to trigger our childhood wounding, and the goal of our unconscious is to get that person to change so that you can heal the wounds from your past and finally have the needs met that weren't met in childhood. Mm-hmm. And just through my own experiences in relationship, as well as what I see in couples, I just thought, yeah, that's exactly what's happening over and over again here. 
So yeah. it just really fits for me. And then I love the structure of the dialogue. Yeah, that's always helpful. Do you kind of have like a roadmap for yourself and a roadmap for the couples, which yeah. is kind of nice. Yeah. That's, that's true. You're, you talk about, um, you know, the things we're bringing in from the past. Let's talk. I know you deal with attachment mm -hmm. styles a lot. For people who aren't, because we haven't had the chance to go over it yet in, mm -hmm. uh, on the show, let's go over a little bit about what you look for in attachment styles. And I know you even have a course about it as well. I do. So uh, I'll take the opportunity to kind of pick your brain on it a little bit more. Attachment is such a powerful thing to learn about, I think, because so many people have these repeating patterns in relationships and think there is something wrong with them or don't understand why they are the way they are or keep attracting the same type of people. And it's usually based on attachment style. So there's um, four different types of attachment styles and they're kind of in two categories, secure attachment and insecure attachment. And in uh, insecure attachment, there's um, avoidant attachment style, anxious attachment style, and then a combination one that's uh, disorganized attachment style. And it's a combination of the anxious and avoidant type. And then in the secure side, there's just one and it's secure attachment. And about 50% of the population is securely attached and about 50% is insecurely attached. So your odds are 50-50 of meeting someone with either type of style. And yeah, it's a heck of a coin flip. <laughs> it is. It is. And I think the older you get, the more you'll find insecure attachment in the dating pool as well. So there's that to contend with um, additionally. Cause well, so let's, let's pause there. When you say the older you get, so you're saying, just so I clarify, mm -hmm. like if you're dating into your 40s or mm -hmm. what's the, what do you well, mean? Well, you know, it depends where, when people get married in your region, but secure attached folks tend to be um, much more comfortable with long-term committed relationships and kind of partner up at, at the mm -hmm. typical age for many people. And so the older you get, the more you're going to find people who are on the avoidant side, uh, who uh -huh. are a little bit more commitment averse and not really, they're, they're more like wanting their space and needing um, Would you say there's of... an exception for people who are divorced or widowed? Absolutely. Or... Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Got it. Yeah. So it's just people who've kind of stayed single, though they, they tend to have the tendency to have that insecure attachment type. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And I'm happy to talk about what a little bit about what each one is, if that would be Yeah, helpful. for sure. Okay. For sure. Let's yeah. get back on track there. Um, so secure attachment, like I said, they tend to be comfortable with commitment. They, they're also comfortable being alone. They tend to be pretty confident in relationships. They go into it expecting things will work out. And even if they don't, it'll be a positive experience. Um, they can, they're pretty easy to be with in relationship. You know, they can handle closeness. They can handle space. They have good boundaries. They tend to have decent communication skills just overall kind of they've had a healthy relationship with their caregivers growing up and this is the basis of attachment style is how you and were 50 percent of the population is this healthy? i know <laughs> i might kinda, be making I'm, it sound I'm, a little more perfect than it is <laughs> yeah i was gonna say there's good let's let's <laughs> pump brakes a bit here <laughs> this is generally what a secure attachment feels like certainly there's a lot of room for improvement with communication in I'd say like 90% of our population, but sure, sure. Um, overall they're decent at relationships. 
Okay. And they were given that as a child. Your first 18 months of life really kind of dictates your original attachment style. And then from there, Mm -hmm. you absolutely can change it. But um, those first 18 months are pretty pivotal. So that's secure. Go ahead. Are you going to say something? No, no, I was going to pivot you to the insecure because I think we covered that. So the yeah. let's go over maybe anxious first. Okay, so anxious folks tend to be anxious in relationship, as it seems like. There's a lot of push and pull. So they might push their partner away, hoping their partner is going to chase them to prove that they really care about them. Um, they tend to criticize more frequently than other partners and just be a little bit more rejecting, but they actually are much they desire more closeness than anyone else and they need more reassurance than any other attachment style. Um, so it's, it's and what, f- what happens in the first 18 months that causes an anxious style of, of insecure attachment? Um, parent, one or more of their parents or caretakers is inconsistent with their attention. So they might be available and loving sometimes and then rejecting or dismissive at other times. And so the person just learns love is not predictable. I need to constantly be testing it and chasing it essentially. Yeah. That's such a huge problem in so many. Mm-hmm. See, now I got to read that book again. There's so, so there's so <laughs> many couples who come in where they, you know, you hear like, I don't know how to trust them again. Mm-hmm. And it's like they put their partner through these tests. Mm-hmm. And now I'm hearing this going, maybe I should, maybe I should assign this reading, you know, because <laughs> it's, it plays into that anxious attachment style very, yeah. very much so. The best book I think for attachment is Wired for Love by Dr. Stan Tapkin. He Wired does a really nice job of describing all the styles and not making anyone bad or wrong for their attachment style. I think attached um, tends to make avoidance feel like they're doing something wrong and they are terrible partners and that's just not the case. Yeah. yeah. Okay, good. That's a good little reading tip. Let's mm-hmm. move it to the other insecure attachment style. Mm-hmm. So that's avoidant attachment style. Um, they tend to need more space, whereas anxious needs more closeness. And the uh, twist of fate, as fate would have it, most of the time these two are attracted to each other. And so you've got someone who needs a lot of closeness and reassurance and someone who needs a lot of space and freedom together. And you can imagine that doesn't go very well. Yeah. Um, but yeah. avoidance tend to be a little bit shut down emotionally. They're not as great as recognizing and expressing their emotions. Their partner might be constantly saying things like, I just don't feel connected to you, or I don't even know if you like me, or I don't even know if you want me. Um, They tend to idealize exes or chase an ideal partner that Mm -hmm. truly doesn't exist. Yeah. um, Which is why they often stay single in hope in search of this perfect person. Right. And would you would you say that those folks are also more prone to infidelity because they're chasing like a new thing? Or is that too big of a statement? I don't know. Yeah, I've never seen any data on that. And I would, you know, I I could say anecdotally, that would make sense because they're often looking for ways to create space, whether it's being critical, internally critical of a partner to kind of create Mm -hmm. emotional distance or cheating or pulling away and spending a lot of time alone or idealizing an ex and comparing their current partner to that ex. There's just lots of ways they create mental space from their partner. 
Super interesting. Mm -hmm. And then the disorganized is the people who are hot and cold, where they want the space and then they want the closeness. Am I kind of... Yeah, they're a combination of anxious and avoidant. And they typically have experienced some sort of abuse or neglect in their childhood that just helped them develop the belief and the kind of physical sensation that love is dangerous and it's not safe. So if you're married or in a relationship with someone and you have a secure attachment style and they have an insecure one, let's mm -hmm. pick kind of the kind of one of the ones that are, that kind of have the most high touch point issues, which is the disorganized one. What would you see in a relationship like that? Well, so secure attachment can tolerate all different types of attachment style and kind of accommodate to those. Um, but what you might see from the disorganized person is disorganization. Um, it's the least common of the attachment styles, but you would see a lot of push and pull. You mm -hmm. would see um, confusion around just a lot of, even communication can feel confusing and disorganized. Mm -hmm. um, you might see a lot of toxic behaviors, abusive behaviors even from someone with a disorganized attachment style because that's how they were loved growing up. So. That one will be um, a little bit more extreme than an anxious yeah. or an avoidant kind of. And in your therapy, when you're doing imago therapy, are you tapping into these attachment styles through the dialogue or through the, is that part of the process? Sometimes it's not part of the process, but because I'm so attachment focused, I definitely bring that into my work. Um, imago is more about whatever, bringing the childhood wound that's being triggered into the dialogue about the fight so it looks at attachment from that perspective but it Got wouldn't it. necessarily label anxious avoidant secure and kind of talk through that i certainly do because i think it's really important and it's you know i blend a lot of different kind of things. understand on a cognitive level what's exactly. going on right yeah and I then once that. you understand and you kind of have a label for something it it can be really empowering and then you can start doing research and you can start externalizing like okay this is an avoidant behavior coming up, or this is an anxious behavior coming up. I want to be in a secure relationship, so I'm going to choose a securely attached behavior instead. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. So what does your course go over? Just that, changing from an insecure attachment to a secure attachment. It's called getting to secure attachment. And it's all oh, about... that's beautiful. Mm -hmm. So it's all about recognizing what your attachment style is. There's a quiz and there's a bunch of different descriptions, much more in depth than I just went into, um, of each attachment style. And then there's a whole um, section on how to create a secure attachment. We talk about boundaries, we talk about communication, we talk about um, securely attached behaviors, trust, all kinds of good stuff. Sounds great. How, mm -hmm. can, how can someone uh, access this work. Where is it available? You can go to coupleslearn.com and just click on online courses and you'll see it pop right up there. Coupleslearn.com mm -hmm. online courses. Okay. Yep. Awesome. Yeah. Very cool. If let me, let me close with this. If you could teach someone other than attachment styles, cause we covered it. If you could kind of implant something from your brain and your experience in couples therapy into each client that comes through the door that would make a huge transformative change in them, what would it be? One kind of nugget of advice. Mm. I think one of the simplest and most powerful things to do is focus on one thing a day that you love and appreciate about your partner and share it with them. 
because it primes your brain to start looking for those things instead of looking for the things you dislike or want to change or want to constructively criticize. (laughs) And it really primes you to be looking for the opposite, which... I love the way you said that too. It trains your brain. Mm -hmm. I mean, your brain learns how to be in certain relationships Mm -hmm. and what kind of movement. I always tell people there's no such thing as stagnation in a relationship. You're either growing or shrinking Mm. in your closeness. There's There's no such thing as a flatline. If you're flatlining, you're dead. So if you're training your brain to criticize, right? If you're training your brain to look for the negative things, that's just going to perpetuate you on this downward spiral. And the same thing, like you said, if you train your brain to look at the good, and then I think you're right, sharing it with your partner provides an opportunity for them to also empathize and reflect mm-hmm. and do the same for you. And it has this exponential way of growth, of growing people together. I think that's a beautiful, beautiful piece of advice. Thanks. Yeah, the crazy thing is you don't even have to train your brain to criticize. We do that naturally because it's a survival (laughs) tactic. We're constantly scanning for what's wrong, what can be optimized, what can kill us. And it's not my fault. Let's not forget that. (laughs) It's not my fault. fault, Yeah, but that's how humans have survived and and, evolved. But um, you do have to train your brain to do the opposite. Wow. Mm -hmm. Great, powerful so you don't need to learn how to be a critical jerk. Let's, that's yeah. the kind of, that comes everybody's naturally. born with that. <laughs> but it does, take, it does take a little bit of training to learn how to be kind and see the generosity and see the affection and call it out. Mm-hmm. I think that's a huge lesson, huge yeah. lesson. Well, Dr. Sarah Shevitz, thank you so much for joining us. Again, if you want to look at her online course, which I'm going to check out right now, it's at coupleslearn.com. And then there's a a handy dandy link right there that says online courses. Thank you so much for being with us. I had a great time talking to you. It was my pleasure. Thanks for having me. If you're interested in learning how to get the absolute most out of your romantic relationships, then you're in luck because I have put together a free workshop or masterclass, if you will, about three secrets that people in happy relationships have discovered. You can view the workshop at mrspirituality.com slash three secrets. Again, it's completely free. Just go there and watch it. It'll help you on your journey, give you some wisdom, some things to think about. The website again is mrspirituality.com slash three secrets. That's mrspirituality.com slash the number three, the word secrets. It's all yours. Enjoy. Enjoy.